How is it even possible to enjoy dessert after removing sugar completely from your diet? During this episode of Cruise Through HTX, I'm joined once again by my pal, Dr. Beata Lerman, founder of Sinless Treats, and she's going to tell you exactly how. We're going to talk about her journey with cacao and the science behind its transformation into chocolate. But don't worry, we're not going to get too technical. She's going to talk about the myth that saturated fat is unhealthy. She's going to share her personal experience with cancer and the role of sugar it plays in the disease. She's also going to talk about her aspirations of creating a collective consciousness that demands tasty and healthful treats from companies. You're also going to hear us refer to a previous conversation we had. By the way, that episode is number 48, which came out in November of last year. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did putting it together for you, then please hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing with your family and friends. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Let's go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. When was the first time cacao ever hit your taste buds? Are we talking about processed cacao or unprocessed cacao? Oh, yeah. When was it? Well, the first time I ever tried chocolate, I probably was three years old and it was um, during the New Year celebration in Russia because that was the only time we would get chocolate candy as a gift we didn't have it abundantly present throughout the year but if we're talking about uh, cacao as a fruit as a source of the chocolate then the first time i tried it in winter of 2018 on my first trip to costa rica when i was invited we actually accidentally ended up leaving on uh, a farm which also had cacao trees and there was the little old lady who was the owner of the place and um, she just took the cacao pod the fruit of the tree and she cut it with the machete and she's like here this is what chocolate comes from and it's this very fruity white pulp covered seeds and, you know, the pulp tastes kind of like apple. It's sweet with a little sourish note with an aftertaste of chocolate. It's the most wild thing you would ever try. It is amazing that you say that. And we did record an interview a few weeks back on the podcast. And that one was a little more like... Um, a little more maybe into the medical side, but I want to get more into the cacao uh, side of things because when you talked original, when we spoke originally about the cacao tasting s similar to a an apple, you look at that thing and you don't like my first impression is it doesn't taste like an apple and how the heck do they make it taste anything like chocolate? And you are the scientist with the PhD and all the wizardry that is sinless treats. So can you explain? <laughs> yeah, well, wizardry basically covers it. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Our uh, first conversation was uh, felt much heavier. We went into the dark side of the nutrition and, you know, uh, health epidemics. And this, this conversation sounds a lot lighter. So how, do, how does the fruit that is sweet and sour with a chocolate aftertaste become the dark brown, lushy chocolate goodness? There is a whole number of processes that needs to happen for the final product to come around and taste the way we expect it to taste. And the first thing is fermentation. What do I mean by that? Cacao and chocolate really is a fermented product when it's done right. So um, you probably don't think about it that way, but um, the other fermented products like, you know, sauerkraut or kimchi or things like that, basically things that are phenomenal probiotics and good for your health. But it's that fermentation process that is the very first essential step to guide those beans to taste what we expect to taste. So what happens when the cacao pods are harvested and split open with machetes and all of that pulp and seeds are being taken out, at least for me, and it's it, it doesn't happen like this in all of the cacao growers, but um, in the farms that supply sinless treats, what they do is they harvest the wild banana leaves from the rainforest. And those banana leaves have, um, you know, natural bacteria and fungi that grow on them. It's not chemical. It's not coming up from anywhere. But essentially, they wrap those pulp um, and the seeds in those banana uh, leaves. And they put it into this... Um, woven wooden baskets and then the microbiome of the leaves essentially ferments the fruit and infuses the seed with the fruity notes so I was like well while we're fermenting these cacao beans and this natural wild banana leaves let me take you know a little sample every day and send it to the lab for the analysis of um, those exact substances, the probiotics, the amino acids, all all of those things that are really great for us. And um, what we found, uh, actually, that it peaks on the day six. So on the day six, the... uh, quantity of the probiotics and all of the beneficial stuff is actually the highest but normally cacao is fermented seven days that seven days are required for a complete fermentation process okay a lot to unpack there and i want to shift the conversation to how long it took for you to realize that it was six days of fermentation, which is a you know one day shy of something pro- being properly fermented, and 
how you arrived at the conclusion that this is how you are going to make all of your product. Seeing as how you come from the medical field with two PhDs with MD Anderson. So it's not like you really had a whole lot of time to really ponder the cacao fermentation process because you were busy curing cancer, which by the way, uh, we're going to get to this part for you listening. Uh, she did in part cure herself of lymphoma, but how did you get to that conclusion that are six days, not seven days? Well, that story lays way back in the um, halls of Baylor College of Medicine, where I used to work in, uh, uh, biochemistry and immunology lab and in our lab we had a machine that was called a mass, spectrom- mass spectrometer and the cool thing about mass spectrometer I'm sorry I'm sorry a mass spectrometer spectrometer yeah like spectrum. spectrometer uh, and, 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 and what that machine does it can basically tell you a molecular composition of whatever you put in there so essentially I spent countless nights just like taking chicken out of different stores that would say that it's uh, antibiotic free and uh, uh, hormone free. And I would like prepare samples from it and stick it in my spec and run it and then figure out which ones were really uh, antibiotic and hormones free and (laughs) which ones wasn't. So... Okay, this sounds like something a PhD student would do uh, in their spare time. Exactly, and I'm pretty sure that uh, some colleagues of mine with access to my spec I love it. would also go in and uh, stick everything <laughs> under the sun into my spec. Do your family members, or did they rather, uh, did, did, did they go like, hey, Beata, we know you're, you're testing chicken, but can you test this, um, this lamb chop that we have here? Can you test <laughs> I've <laughs> this tested, pasta? I've tested anything you can imagine. I've tested <laughs> plants for pesticides. I've, pe- I've <sighs> tested, um, um, I've tested like ultra processed food, like crackers and popcorn and stuff for like glyphosates and well, I, I mean, I've tested, like, if you can imagine, like, the entire HB and everything that's in the aisles, over four years that I was at Baylor, I've tested probably the majority of it. I'm afraid to ask you about our food supply and how worried so, uh, This conversation <laughs> is way more fun right now. Yeah. I, I don't want to, like, digress it yeah. into the conversation we had the first time. Yeah, everybody go back to the previous conversation because we're going to keep this one lighthearted. So, uh, Beata, instead of uh, going to the bar at night, is doing, like, something way cooler and going to the, what is it, the meso spectrometer? Mass, mass spectrometer. Like, mass, mass like mass spectrometer yeah so uh okay so tying it back to the mass spectrometer and the cacao and there you go so so i found a uh lab in uh, san jose who had the mass spec and basically what we did um when i decided that i want to turn my career into the chocolate the, I would basically meet up with the lab representative uh, for four days. So day three, day four, day five, day six, and day seven, five days. 
and I would give them the sample that I would get out of that bin, the fermentation bin, and they would uh, run a mass spec for me. And um, it just would indiscriminately look at all the molecules that were forming, uh, which ones were still, you know, in the larger molecular weight and the smaller, what they were turning into. And as I said, um, cacao beans is an excellent source for um, for healthy fats and for very good protein. So like if you get lost in the jungle and you find some cacao pods, you'll be able to survive for a long time in absence of absolutely everything else. Uh, but I wanted to see with people being so depleted of, you know, fiber and um, real probiotics, the nature probiotic, not the spores that you get in a pill and it says probiotic and 2 billion colonies. And then you actually do an experiment and it turns out that it's like a million and that's it. And you're like, well, I'm being lied to here. Um, um, so, so what, what I found is that the maximum amount of the, um, bioavailable means our bodies can absorb it if we eat it at, at that point, metabolically beneficial compounds were at day six and at day seven, they would already degrade to the point that they cannot be beneficial to us. So, um, I made a conscious decision to under-ferment uh, for the health benefit because I knew later on the uh, stage of roasting, winnowing, and uh, chocolate manufacturing, I can compensate for the taste, for that slight presence of sourness in my unroasted beans. I, I would be able to compensate because um, at that point, having those molecules, having those beneficial um, compounds there were much more important to me. Okay. So I've got to know the magic. And I mean, seriously, it really does sound like it because the guy from Cameroon was able to taste the difference between six days fermentation and seven days fermentation. Yet the chocolate from Sinless Treats tastes like chocolate. And, and it, it's sugar-free chocolate for those who are not familiar with Sinless Treats at the website, sinlesstreats.co. Um, so how, I mean, does, does, did you just arrive at the conclusion that, well, you know what, six days versus seven days, it just doesn't make that much of a difference? Was it, was it that easy? Yeah, that was, it, it's when I saw that declining of the probiotic activity and, uh, uh, the declining of the number of uh, beneficial amino acids, I was like, well, why don't we keep them? It's like, it's, you know, it's not always, it, it's not often you create a product that would give people the same level of quality of experience that will also improve their health. And, Improving health is the central mission of me as a doctor and a scientist and of me as an entrepreneur and the leader of Sinless Treats. Um, I want to improve health. I just want it to be tasty and fun and taste amazing and 
blow people's minds away. So um, for me, it didn't matter whether it was six days or seven days. You know, protocols are made for people who cannot, um, who does not have enough knowledge to invent and compensate for the invention. If they don't understand the deep knowledge behind something, they need to follow the protocol. Gotcha. As a scientist, when you understand the process behind something, you invent protocols. And that's that's just how I always lived my life as an inventor and a scientist, including my invention for the cancer immunotherapy. One more question, and then I want to go back to that. You have once said that you eat a pound of chocolate a day. And I believe that because I've gotten to know you over the past few weeks since we first met at the Small Business Expo. Um, but I wanted to ask you something because when I got home after bringing the chocolates, the chocolates back to the house, I wanted to follow up and ask you, and I wanted to have this conversation with you because there's there's fat, and then there's trans fat, and then there's saturated fat, and apparently saturated fat, and please correct me if I'm wrong, saturated fat is not necessarily good for you. So seeing as how it's got a lot of saturated fat in what you prepare, and I imagine it's also that way with the regular processed garbage that most of most of us collectively are consuming, how is it that you are not 800 pounds and you are healthy when there's that much saturated fat and you're eating in in a serving and you're still eating that much of the product? Well, because the the opinion that saturated fat is bad for you is actually one of the biggest lies that the food industry or rather sugar industry has sold since I would say starting around nine, late 1940s and mostly in the 50s. And um, they very fraudulently and without uh, big, good scientific merit linked the um, heart disease to saturated fat, even though really the sugar was the culprit of the whole thing. But you mentioned a few things. And this is where the concept of calorie is not a calorie is really important. Because you mentioned fat, you mentioned saturated fat. Saturated fat is actually the way nature makes fat. Saturated fat is in the meats. Saturated fats are in, you know, fatty vegetables, um, plant-based, such as cacao, uh, coconut, um, what else gives us straight up at avocado? Um, it's solid. Saturated fat would always be solid in the room temperature or around room temperature. Then we have unsaturated fats. And unsaturated fats have the same number of calories per gram, but those are the un- less natural, I would say. So it, th- you have to have a process to extract, and it's a very, spe- very simplistic um, explanation, but you have to have a process to extract the unsaturated fat 
and like break it apart from wh- wherever they are. And therefore, the whole process, it, this is the fats that, for example, would be out of seeds, like seed oils or um, nut oils. And those are liquid at the room temperature. They are very easily oxidized, means that when they are open to the air, which is on our planet is everything, they start producing a reactive a species that travels in our body and damages our DNA, which can cause many different health vices, including cancer, but not limited to that. And then we have, we have trans fats. Trans fats are man-made. There are no trans fats in nature. Trans fats happen when we try to make liquid, unsaturated fats into solid fats in order to replace the very good saturated fats that we vilified as being unhealthy. And trans fats are pure poison. Wow. (laughs) Mind has been blown again. And I mean, this seems to happen more often than not whenever I get to speak with you, Dr. Lerman. So, um, Shifting the conversation back to sugar, and you alluded to the sugar industry, and this is part of the mission that you have with Sinless Treats, and it's very personal for you because you are a lymphoma survivor who in part cured yourself with the patents you hold with MD Anderson. So let's go back to uh, the moment you decided uh, that all right, no more. This is the this is the battle that I'm going to fight, and it's the hill I'm going to die on. Well, you know, it's um, it came suddenly. I really so I did my PhD in lymph in Department of Lymphoma and Myeloma under uh, my uh, advisor and our department chairman, Dr. Larry Quack, uh, people in medical. Um, profession know him because actually he was named the 100 most influential people by Time magazine in 2009. So um, you can find that cover. He was on the cover. He was my, he was my mentor and advisor. Um, and Dr. Quack is famous for, amongst many things, inventing the DNA vaccines. Now, people right now know a lot about RNA vaccines because of COVID, but actually um, not enough attention is being paid to this technology and the fact that preceding the RNA vaccines, there were DNA vaccines that were very effectively used in the battle of against cancer. So um, Larry Quack, my uh, PhD advisor, has dedicated his life to... Uh, making new technologies uh, to battle cancer. And when he um, recruited me, he had this wild idea that nobody has ever attempted before, but he wanted to create a compound molecules that would look and act like an antibody, but at the same time, be stealthy. It would be a ninja antibody. It would not be detected by the um, 
immune system, our own antibody, and not like cleared out before it does its job. And the way we went about it is we found this short protein molecules, very, very short, just about 12 amino acids. And we found that they very preferentially attach to cancer cells, to lymphoma cells, to be more precise. We later tried them in a few other cancers, but um, um, I specifically worked on lymphoma. And I engineered this chimeric molecule, and I know it sounds bad, but we called it a peptibody, which is like a peptide antibody. It had the tail of the antibody, and like you know how antibodies like this Y-shaped sequence, the 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 the, um, the horns of the Y was this um, very short protein sequences that only would attach to cancer cells and not any other cells in the body. So. Um, what antibodies do in the cancer, once they attach to anything, actually what antibodies do in disease is they kind of label, they are the marker for that cell's destruction. So for example, when we have strep throat and our body makes antibodies against the bacteria that's trying to kill us, it makes the flags to the, for the immune system to, via the antibodies that these are the bad guys, they need to be destroyed, and then T-cells go in and destroy them. So um, we did the same with the cancer, but the problem prior to my invention is a lot of the natural antibody would attach not only to cancer cells, but attach to something else, um, like our own tissue. And together with cancer cells, we would induce another immune disease, which, as you can understand, is probably not ideal. The uniqueness of that peptide technology is we had a peptide that preferentially recognized only the lymphoma cells. But the tail of the antibody would still signal that this is the bad guy needs to be destroyed. So when I uh, was diagnosed in, uh, with lymphoma late 2018, and um, I, it was a v series of very strange, um, seemingly unrelated syndromes, but um, it was a cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, which is a type of lymphoma that attacks nearly every hair follicle. So you have literally hundreds of little tumors like all over the place and Ooh. it looks strange it's beyond weird i was like yep i know exactly what it is so at that point uh my mentor uh, dr quack he was no longer at MD anderson he took a position in uh, city of hope in california so i went to his uh Second-hand man, uh, his um, vice chair, um, his name is Sat Vanillapu, and I said, listen, um, I would like you to get me the antibody, the peptibody therapy. And I remember I jokingly told him, 
He said, you can give me a lab and an HPLC machine, which he inherited from us, from our lab before we closed, and I can purify my own. And I remember he's telling me, 70% of MD Anderson right now works on your peptibody. We have more than enough. And I'm going to assemble the care team and we're going to proceed with getting you this therapy um, in combination with adaptive T cell transfer. That you created. <laughs> I mean, that's that I just created a, and I yeah. hold the patent for. I actually yeah. published it in Nature Medicine. Um, if there is a scientist among listeners, you can uh, go in the PubMed and uh, look Dr. Beata Lerman or Dr. Lerman and Nature Medicine, and you will see that publication for all of you who like to question things, because I always encourage you to not trust me, trust your eyes. When, when the documentary movie, or actually not even documentary, when the, when the uh, Scorsese film about your life is made, uh, it's going to be over-exaggerated and show uh, somebody starring as Dr. Lerman, like literally injecting her arm with the uh, with the antibodies with with the treatment that uh, <laughs> that 100%. she made and and 100%. and it's not and that's not what happened okay that's not exactly. how that goes it did not it was not what happened <laughs> so the side effect of an immunotherapy is the cytokine release which is also known as a cytokine storm also probably a lot of people familiar after covid that okay, I'm sorry. You said cytokine storm. Storm. Oh wow. Okay. That that's where like all of the immune system kind of discharge all of their firing potential all over the body. It raises the temperature beyond like 104, 105 degrees. It it's really brutal. So that's that's actually the downside of immunotherapy. If you survive the 48 hours, 48 to 72 hours, you will walk away cancer-free. But otherwise, it's a very, very, very brutal um, procedure. So I remember, and, you know, I think my version, if we're talking about the movie, would would be really cool because I said, you know, guys, uh, give me a bunch of scuba tanks and put me in the pool for 72 hours. Uh, and just because the, the water would absorb the heat that would melt my brain otherwise. <laughs> they did not agree to that. I, I mean, I, I did spend a part of that 72 hours in like a cold bath in order yeah. to keep my temperature down. But I think I would... How high did your temperature go? Oh, I don't know. It, it shot way above... Uh, 104 definitely oh gosh wow but i thought it would just be so cool to be on the bottom of the pool breathing out of the regulator with a bunch of tanks around me (laughs) yeah and you do scuba dive i mean there is nothing you don't do so it's not like um and i'm surprised that they turned down your request i imagine they had their reasons i'm just saying that seeing how you do have experience with scuba diving. It would not have been an unreasonable thing to request. It's not like I would have said, 
hey, yeah, can you put some scuba gear on me and throw me in the pool? Uh, this is someone with experience. I think they might have been afraid of the loss of consciousness or even momentarily. And that can could potentially, mm-hmm. not necessarily, but could lead to drowning. So I kind of get it why, say, why yeah. they say no. They, they didn't want that kind of liability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like the whole better safe than sorry mantra. It's, it's exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think they would have to shoot two scenes and show me both and I'd be like, that one. <laughs> not, not the one with Dr. Lerman, you know, is, is sticking a needle in her arm and her eyes turning green. And then, yeah, that, that. Listen, but, but you know, jokes aside, my advisor, my, my mentor, Dr. Quack, he invented the DNA vaccine, which literally went in by this gun, the, the, the injection gun, which you oh, would wow. put to your arm and press and it would infuse. So, and I have, I held that gun in my hand, the, the, the injection gun. So, um, it's, it's a really cool device. You know, I, I remember first time I saw it, I was like immediately thinking of Resident Evil. In 200 years, what do you hope? What do you think? the world is going to look like in terms of chocolate consumption. I'm hoping I would be a start of the movement of developing collective consciousness that um, we can demand things that are tasty and uh, provide us with the quality of experience, which also will nurture our health. And we will hold every single company to that standard to and elevate them to self-adhere to the level of cleanliness, the level of transparency, the level of care, so we all can live a more fulfilled, better lives. You heard her. That's Dr. Beata Lerman, founder of Sinless Treats. You can check them out at sinlesstreats.co. Tap the affiliate link and uh, tell her Freddie sent you for some delicious treats all around the year, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, we got spring break. We've got Easter. Uh, you want a good summer treat. You want a good fall treat all the way back to the holiday season and all year round. I'm telling you, these are these are chocolates you were going to want to just like gobble the entire box in one sitting. And well, she doesn't call it sinless treats for no reason. And she's eating one right now. I ran out of the box from the last time I visited and she's eating a chocolate. Now I'm getting upset. I'm just kidding. I'm not upset because I'm going to go and get some more chocolates. Come on over. (laughs) But thank you so much for being an affiliate partner and for visiting the podcast again, Beata. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure always. And I look forward to the next conversation. (laughs) 